Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Tuesday, February 4th, and um, I don't know. We got a great show today. It, it's really disappointing. I had I worked all night on the podcast. I, it was like 6.30 in the morning. I was like, okay, I'm going to record, and I just ran out of gas. It's now it's now 1.30, and I had to sleep for like seven hours. I'm sorry. You got to sleep. It, it's a really frustrating reality of life. You got to sleep at some point. Uh, today's show is great. We're going to talk about Mike Leach. Uh, he's a the head coach of Mississippi State. We're going to talk about KJ Costello, their new transfer quarterback, in fact, at Mississippi State. We're going to talk about the XFL a bunch. I'm going to really introduce a lot of people, I think, know the XFL exists. They're excited for it, but they're like, what is it? Let's get into it, like talking about introducing some people that might not understand the XFL very well to the XFL. We're going to talk about college basketball. I figured out what team I'm going to be rooting for in March Madness, which is coming up very quickly for a heartbreaking reason, by the way. It's, it's a, uh, it'll be short, but it's really good, and I think it's going to really intrigue you if you've ever had loss in your life. We're going to talk about Baker Mayfield. Oh my gosh, we got so much to say about him. We're going to talk about the NHL. I like, I am, you, look, you're listening to this, you're like, Zach, I like football, I like basketball, I like baseball, I like college sports. Hockey? Like, I don't care about hockey. Look, I, I didn't think I did either, and I, the more I get to know hockey, like, here's what I'm asking. I'm going to put it at the end of the show. The very last topic of the day will be about hockey. But I'm asking you, stick around, because if nothing else, you're going to learn something. It's going to be short, and you're going to learn something interesting that you never would have known about hockey before. And we're also going to talk about the NBA, the NBA deadline, trade deadlines coming up. We're going to talk about what's going on in the NBA. Uh, Damian Lillard has been on a tear. We'll discuss that. So look, guys, we have a great show. I'm really, really excited for what's coming up. But I want to start today with this. By the way, first I got to say, dude, thank you so much. I like... (laughs) I, I love what I do. I love my job. I'm so happy. I just got off the phone with a quarterback uh, in college football, a big name. And it's like the fact that that kind of stuff happens. Uh, I, there's, there's a couple of guys that have reached out to me recently for help. And um, it's, it's, it's insanity. Like the only reason that happens is because you guys watch my videos. You guys listen and, to the show. And it's like, what a, uh, I don't know. I'm on top of the world, man. I'm having so much fun. I love what I do. Let's get into the show. Um, Stanford quarterback KJ Costello, this Stanford quarterback KJ Costello has announced that he is transferring. He's leaving Stanford University and going to Mississippi State. And I am so dang excited about this for so many reasons. I cannot wait to watch KJ Costello and what happens with him at Mississippi State. Uh, a couple weeks ago, like maybe a while ago, like maybe was it months with the weeks? I can't remember. But a while back, whenever KJ Costello entered the transfer portal, I remember looking at my dad and going, weird, KJ Costello's leaving Stanford. I remember telling my dad, that's just bizarre. Uh, Now, by the way, he did get his degree, so good for him. KJ Costello has gotten a degree from Stanford. Now he's going to leave and go play football somewhere. I can't imagine a better setup for any guy. You have a degree from Stanford and you're going to play college football and probably succeed. That's awesome. And by the way, for anybody who doesn't understand... I think Mississippi State fans know who he is. I think that Stanford people clearly know who he is. KJ Costello is not just some backup quarterback who's leaving a program and transferring. A lot of times you'll hear like the guy transferring is a guy who never got playing time and is going to try to play somewhere. No, 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 no. KJ Costello has been the guy for the last three years at Stanford. He's been the face of the program. 
I've met people at the Pac-12 Network. He's on their shows all the time. I've been to Pac-12 Network. They have pictures with him. And they're like, hey, they really are proud of KJ Costello. It's a big deal that he's leaving Northern California in general. It's like, oh, one of our star quarterbacks is now gone. It's very interesting to me. And, you know, the guy played in 29 games. He threw 49 touchdowns in the course of those 29 games. And it's pretty clear to me, KJ Costello is leaving to go get a better opportunity. His journey at Stanford has run its course. He got his degree, which is amazing. To get a degree from Stanford, you're, you're really well set for the rest of your life. And it, it's so cool. I'm happy for him because Stanford has really been struggling. Stanford, as a football program, has been having a hard time, and it's really not the quarterback's fault. It's, they've been struggling with recruiting. Their offensive lines have been bad. Um, now, as a, as a football nerd and as a quarterback analyst, I am, I'm beyond excited about this move. Because KJ Costello played for the last three years in a, in a more pro-style offense. Stanford runs the ball a lot. They use play action. They, they fake the run a lot. Um, he's been under center, which means he's like, you know, he'll take a five-step drop. He's not in the shotgun, which means he's literally underneath the center, getting the ball directly from the center rather than catching a shotgun snap. So from an NFL perspective, we've seen KJ Costello run a more Old-school style offense, you know, running the ball heavily, play action, five-step drops, seven-step drops. But now he's going to Mississippi State. Oh, boy. He's going to go play for Mike Leach in the air raid offense. He's going to throw the ball 60 times a game. We get to see KJ Costello in a totally new environment. Ugh. I can't wait to watch it. I can't. It's going to be so much fun. I think it's going to work. And what I think is really going to be cool is, so this guy, KJ Costello has an NFL skill set. He does. Um, you know, he's leaving Stanford. He's going to Mississippi State. It's cool because he's going to get a new challenge. But, you know, he left a bad team behind. He took a risk. And now he's going to the SEC. He's going to play, with, play around with better talent. And he's going to play against better talent in the SEC. But what's, what's interesting is a lot of times you hear people talk about former Mike Leach quarterbacks. KJ Costello is entering into a Mike Leach system. And usually when quarterbacks go from Mike Leach and then go to the NFL, everyone says, well, they're only good because of their system. They're only good because of the coach they played for. No one's going to be able to make that argument about KJ Costello. Nobody will be able to say that because the truth is he succeeded at Stanford. And then if he succeeds at Washington State, bam, I mean, that's end of argument. And here's what's cool. KJ Costello's, he, he has a, a pro career ahead of him to some capacity. He's going to play professional football. The question is, what kind of trajectory will his career have? Is he going to be an XFL quarterback? Is he going to be a Canadian Football League quarterback? No, probably not. He's better than that, I think. Is he going to be an NFL backup? Is he going to be an NFL franchise quarterback? It's all up in the air. He's got an opportunity, though. To prove to the world, hey, here's what I can do. I can play in multiple systems, and with you give me good players around me, I can win a lot. KJ Costello has an opportunity to make a bigger case for himself in the NFL and prove just how great of a quarterback he is. And again, unlike most Mike Leach quarterbacks, you know, no one's going to be able to say. Anthony Gordon, Luke Falk, Gardner Minshew, whenever guys come, even Patrick Mahomes was in the air raid offense at Texas Tech, people say, well, well, and look, I'm, I'm guilty of it because usually it's valid. You say, well, look, the guy is good because he threw the ball 60 times a game. 
You know, not good, but the guy has good stats because he threw the ball 60 times a game. He's thrown for over 5,000 yards, but, you know, his team didn't run the ball at all, so he was just eating up yards. You're not going to be able to make an argument like that with K.J. Costello when K.J. Costello leaves Mississippi State and goes to the NFL because, again, you'll be able to say, hey, it's, it's not fair criticism because he succeeded at Stanford. And by the way, I've been talking a lot about how Stanford runs this old school, under center, you know, more traditional offense. The truth, though, is that at Stanford, they actually opened things up a lot with KJ Costello. The offensive line was really having a hard time. They weren't able to be the dominating running force they wanted to be. And they realized, hey, we have KJ Costello. This guy can throw the ball really well. So they actually opened up their offense a lot more at Stanford because they realized what they had. But go watch the film, man. I'm so excited. KJ Costello, uh, he's really great against zone defense. Yeah, I was watching the Northwestern game last night. And Northwestern was sitting back in a lot of cover four. They're just giving away the flats, which means that they're just allowing KJ Costello to take short yardage underneath all day. And he was doing it. He was eating them alive. And then at one point, finally, he's just waiting, picking them apart short. A five-yard pass, six-yard pass, three yards, four yards, five yards, waiting, waiting, waiting. And then eventually... Northwestern slipped up. They allowed a guy to get open vertically. KJ Costello threw a touchdown. Like things like that are really cool because KJ Costello is patient. And that's exactly what you need to be in a Mike Leach offense. Man, I'm so excited. I, I, he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he's got a strong enough arm. He's very accurate. He can beat man coverage if you play man coverage against him. He is accurate enough. And uh, man, I just cannot wait to watch KJ Costello at Mississippi. It's going to be so much fun. He's going to go, I think he's going to elevate himself from. A, an unknown, not very talked about potential NFL quarterback. He's going to put up big numbers for sure. But people are going to go look at the tape and go, okay, this guy can play. This guy's not only succeeded with Mike Leach, he also succeeded at Stanford. And he's a good leader. They, they built around him. I think this is a great move for not only Mississippi State. Mississippi State fans are so happy today. They're like, we got a quarterback. Yes. But for KJ Costello, it's an unusual risk to go from a place where you're the star. Right? You're, everybody loves you. You're the man. Most people don't leave that situation. KJ Costello. I talked about this the other day when I talked about Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't settle for good. Go get great. And KJ Costello was in a good enough situation at Stanford. And he said, no, I'm going to go get great. I'm going to go to Mississippi State. I'm going to throw the ball 60 times a game. I'm going to show the world what I can do against SEC opponents with better receivers around me and a more entertaining, exciting offense. Guys, I am so stinking excited to go watch KJ Costello at Mississippi State. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be so much fun. Okay, um, Mississippi State fans, I, I want to extend a, a hand because I think that there's a narrative that people believe that I hate Mississippi State. I, I don't. I don't at all. Uh, I made a video when... Mike Leach was hired as the Mississippi State head coach. I, I believe the video was called Mike Leach will underachieve at Mississippi State. And a lot of people took that personally. I didn't mean it personally. Uh, I want to now take a moment to explain why I, I do believe a lot of things I said in that video. Uh, there's one thing I want to slightly tweak because I do think there's a, a one way that Mike Leach is really great for the Mississippi State program. Um, but if you go back to listen to what I said, I want to clarify some things. But I, I have nothing against Mike Leach. I have nothing against Mississippi State. Uh, in fact, I can't wait to watch Mississippi State and their new transfer quarterback, KJ Costello. But in that video, 
the point of that video about talking about Mike Leach was not to just kick Mississippi State and bring them down to their knees. That was not the point. I think people were like, you think Mike Leach is going to fail at Mississippi State? That's not what I said at all. <laughs> I, I think that's how it was received. And then if that's the truth, that's on me. That's my fault for delivering the message poorly in such a way that it could be perceived that way. Um, now, I think some people, no matter what you say, are going to like, you're being negative, but that, that's fine. Um, again, I made that video to set clear expectations. I've been around Mike Leach for a long time. Uh, I've, I've, and I shouldn't say a long time. There was a two-year period where I was around his program a ton. And I, I know so many of his former players. I'm really close with a lot of them. I'm on the phone with them. Uh, some of them have been on my show. I've been to my house. Like, literally, I, I know a lot of those, those guys. And Mike Leach is now headed to the SEC. I want to be very clear. Mike Leach is not going to win an SEC championship. It's not going to happen. He's not going to beat Alabama consistently. He's not going to beat LSU consistently. Now, Mike Leach is going to win a lot of games. He's going to put up gigantic numbers, great stats. He'll be fun to watch. Like Mississippi State fans got a victory by getting Mike Leach, for sure. But And again, he might occasionally win a big game. But Mike Leach is never going to win the SEC. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. <laughs> for years, he was a Texas Tech head coach. For years. Never won the Big 12. Washington State, for years, never won the Pac-12. Here's the future for Mike Leach at, at Mississippi State. He's going to win about eight games a year, seven, eight, or nine games a year, maybe 10 on a great year. Like he did that once at Washington State. Like, whoa! He's going to win some bowl games. So I think that's a very reasonable statement to make to say that Mike Leach is not going to win the SEC. He's going to win eight games a year, roughly, and go to some bowl games. So Mike Leach is going to win at Mississippi State, but they're not going to be an elite. SEC program. That's what I'm saying. That was the point of that video was to say it wasn't to just dismantle and say Mike Leach is going to be terrible. That's not the point. The point is that Mike Leach is going to be fine and good, but not dominating the SEC. He'll win consistently. He will not consistently beat the best teams in the SEC. He's not going to beat Alabama every year. He's not going to beat LSU every year. Again, he might occasionally pull off an upset. He does that. He beat Oregon one time. I was there. I was on the sideline. It was incredible. Beat Justin Herbert with Gardner Minshew. It was so much fun. So nothing I just said, in my opinion, was unreasonable. I stand by everything I've said. I, I, think even, I think even Mississippi State fans are like, okay, like, fair enough. But there is another important wrinkle I want to address with the Mike Leach hire at Mississippi State. One of the things I said in my last video is I talked about how Mike Leach wasn't necessarily an upgrade. And that's, I think that's not true. I did, it, I did Mississippi State a disservice. I do believe that Mississippi State did upgrade at head coach. One of the problems that the former head coach of the Bulldogs had was that he struggled with team discipline. He struggled keeping guys in line. And so I, I want to be very clear. Mike Leach will never, ever struggle with discipline. That's not what he does. I was at Washington State when he was there. Uh, I watched Mike Leach kick, kick people out of this program. He said, hey, you're not welcome here anymore. Good players, starting players, starting receivers were booted from the program because they didn't follow his rules. And that sounds harsh. I think it's actually good because Mike Leach has three, he calls them his three deadly sins that he will not compromise on. If you break his three one of his three deadly sins, you're done. There's no second chance. You're off of the football team. It's not very hard. These are the three deadly sins that Mike Leach gives to his players. And he says, if you break any of these rules, you're not allowed on my football team. He says, you cannot commit violence against women. If you do that, you're automatically cut. 
No illegal drug use. You do that, you're cut. No stealing. If you steal, you're cut from the team. Those are the three deadly sins that Mike Leach gives to his players and gives to his program. So I want to hug it out with angry Mississippi State fans. Can we please have a a civil conversation? Because I I, I mean no disrespect to Mississippi State. I think that's the the belief is that I hate them. I don't. Mike Leach is going to win a lot of games. He's going to put up big numbers. It'll be fun. It'll be enjoyable. I wasn't trying to rain on the parade that Mississippi State fans were having by hiring this new head coach. He's even going to be good for the discipline of the football team. I acknowledge all of that. He just won't ever win the SEC. He's not going to consistently beat Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida. He might beat some of those teams occasionally. He might even... we. Do you know what I would love to see? The day that the Pirate upsets Alabama. How cool will that be if once in his career at Mississippi State, Alabama lost to Mike Leach? Dude, that'd be incredible. That'd be awesome. I don't have any faith that's going to happen, but man, I would love that. I really would. But you got to realize, 10 years Mike Leach was at Texas Tech. 10 years. Mike Leach never won the Big 12. Mike Leach was at Washington State for eight seasons. Never won the Pac-12. He's also never going to win the SEC. I think that's not, that's not a controversial statement. My show is called Strong Opinion Sports. That's not really a strong opinion. That's just, uh, hello. It's not going to happen. He's not, he's not going to beat Nick Saban consistently. But I do think Mike Leach is good for their program. Now, I also got to acknowledge, in, in all honesty, a lot of his former players don't like him. They hate meetings with him. He's very weird and kind of an an impersonal guy. Mike Leach is going to win a lot of games. I don't know that he's going to make his players completely love him. I think there's a lot of hardship ahead that they have no idea what they're in store for. But that's not Mike Leach's job necessarily. He doesn't view his job as being liked. He views his job as, I need to win football games. So to be clear, a lot of former players that played for Mike Leach don't like him. Take it or leave it. Uh, I think some of the better ones do. The guys who succeeded for him love him. The guys who didn't don't. So um, maybe they're just bitter. I don't know. But it's, wor- it's just worth noting that, hey, some of the guys that have played for Mike Leach say a lot of bad things about him and say he's a, a really hard guy to work for and work with. And maybe that's why, maybe, maybe that's why they didn't succeed for him is because they didn't like working with him, so it just was a roadblock. I don't know. Um, but that's worth noting, too. However, again, I think Mike Leach is overwhelmingly good for the Mississippi State football program. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to be a disciplined football team. He just isn't going to regularly beat Alabama. Come on. It's not a controversial statement, even a little bit. <clears throat> Drink some water. Man, uh, I, I'm so excited for this next topic. <clears throat> um, how, do we, how do we even begin this? I'm a little bit heartbroken, I am. Uh, the NFL season is my favorite time of the year. I, you know, pause, that's not true. Actually, straight up. The NFL season is my second favorite time of the year. My favorite time of the year is that brief period, where just entering into it, leading up to the NFL draft, where we can start talking about quarterbacks and doing film analysis of stuff. Like, you know, you realize NFL season is over. Now it's film season. Now it's time to do quarterback analysis videos and this and that. I don't have to watch 16 games every weekend. Oh my gosh, it was so hard. Um, so, the NFL season is over. Now it's time for the XFL. Week one of the XFL starts on Saturday. There are four games this weekend, two on Saturday, two games on Sunday. And I know this is a new football league, 
And so I want to give everybody a rundown to help them understand and help them get to know the new football league that is the XFL. There are only actually eight XFL teams. It's not that complicated. It's a, it's a manageable amount of teams. I think you can learn the names of every team, maybe even memorize who their quarterback is, potentially even their coach. So I want to give you, I want to run through them and start talking, start by talking about the Dallas Renegades. The Dallas Renegades, uh, their head coach and general manager is Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops is the former Oklahoma head coach. He was at Oklahoma for 18 seasons. And by the way, he went to a bowl game all 18 seasons. Bob Stoops was at Oklahoma. I had no idea. That's crazy. He won 79% of his games. He left. I think Lincoln Riley proved to be maybe a better. I don't. I don't know how to say. It. Like Bob Stoops was phenomenal, and Bob Stoops was an incredible head coach for a long, long time. Um, I don't know. It's cool. If you love Oklahoma, you probably are going to be a Dallas Renegades fan because they also have uh, Landry Jones as their quarterback. Landry Jones, the former longtime Oklahoma quarterback, really exciting, really cool. They also play at Globe Life Park, which is where. The Texas Rangers used to play. I've actually been there. It's pretty cool. They've tra- like converted it into a football stadium now. It looks awesome. And so, um, I don't know, man. It's pretty cool. The Dallas Renegades. A lot of Oklahoma fans are probably going to root for that team. The second team to learn about in the XFL is the D.C. Defenders. Their head coach and general manager is Pep Hamilton. Pep Hamilton has been... It's cool because some of these names I had to look up. Some of these names I did not. Pep Hamilton was not one I needed to look up. He's been a quarterback coach and offensive coordinator and coach in the NFL for years. And it's cool that Pep Hamilton has now finally got an opportunity to be a head coach of a football team. I love it, man. I really do. I think he's, he's intriguing because, like, how good is Pep Hamilton? I don't know. But, man, I'm rooting for him. It'd be really cool if he made it. Now, their quarterback is Cardell Jones. That's the former Ohio State quarterback. And I want to just say it's pretty odd and kind of cool that, you know, the Washington, D.C. area has two professional football teams. They have the Washington Redskins and now the D.C. Defenders. Both of their quarterbacks are former Ohio State quarterbacks. How odd is that? The Washington Redskins have Dwayne Haskins. And now the D.C. Defenders, Cardell Jones. And I'm so excited to watch Jones this year. He came off the bench a couple years ago and won a national championship for Ohio State. If you remember that, it was wild. It was fun. He ran the ball really well. It was throwing incredible. But then he immediately left college to go to the NFL. He had more eligibility, but he didn't stick around. Uh, it was kind of like he didn't want to stay at Ohio State and figure out whether or not he was going to win the quarterback battle. He just said, I'm going to leave. I'm Peace out. I'm going. Now, Cardell Jones failed in the NFL. And failed is a really brutal, tough word. He just didn't make it. I think the truth is he wasn't developed enough to succeed. <clears throat> I wish he'd stayed because he's a gifted quarterback. He can play really well. But, I, you know, it's interesting to me because, how do I put this? He's so talented. Like, he's so physically gifted. The dude can run. The dude can throw. And I think the head coach, Pep Hamilton, could do some really, really special things with him. I'm really excited to watch Cardell Jones continue to grow as a quarterback. They play their home games at Audi Park. That's where the D.C. United play. That's, uh, that's the MLS team in D.C. That's where they play. Should be fun. The D.C. defenders. Basically, uh, Their story about the D.C. Defenders is how good can Cardell Jones be and can Pep Hamilton, the new head coach, elevate his play a lot? That's what I want to see from the D.C. Defenders. Next, we got the Houston Roughnecks. Their coach and general manager is June Jones. 
He was a head coach at Hawaii for nine years, and he spent seven years as a head coach of SMU. Uh, now, his quarterbacks are what interests me with Houston. Either he's going to have PJ or Philip Walker. You know, that's it's his name is Philip Walker. People call me either Philip Walker or PJ Walker. It's the same guy. So either PJ Walker is going to be the quarterback in Houston or Connor Cook, the former Michigan State quarterback. So PJ Walker from Temple, Michigan State, former quarterback Connor Cook. <clears throat> now, PJ Walker is is some analysts on the inside have said that PJ Walker is expected to be the guy. I so desperately hope that is the case. I really want PJ Walker to be the starting quarterback of this football team. He's more fun to watch. He can run around. He, he's not just a pocket passer. PJ Walker can run and has a great arm and can throw. Connor Cook is a boring, stereotypical pocket passer that doesn't run around, doesn't have much mobility. I don't want to watch that. I want to watch PJ Walker run around, extend plays, keep plays alive, run, throw, do all that. That'll be fun. I hope P.J. Walker wins the starting job in Houston. Now, you also got to know if you're in the Houston area and you want to go to a Houston Roughnecks game, they play their games at the University of Houston at their gigantic... Their football stadium's huge at Houston. I was like, man, that's really nice. Really, really cool. The next team I want to talk about are the L.A. Wildcats. Their head coach and general manager is Winston Moss. You might know Winston Moss from his NFL career. He played 11 years in the NFL as a linebacker. He also was a longtime NFL assistant coach. Now, here's where you most likely know Winston Moss's name. If you remember a couple years ago, there was an incident where Winston Moss got fired by the Green Bay Packers for what I think was basically, I, shouldn't, I think nothing wrong. I don't know. I, I think Winston Moss was talking. He was talking on Twitter. And he potentially called out Aaron Rodgers' leadership. However, I don't think he said anything inappropriate. I think as a leader of my football team, if I had Winston Moss saying that, I'd be like, yes, good Tell Aaron, like, because I, I think what Winston Moss said wasn't inappropriate. He just pointed out the way that Aaron Rodgers leads is not quite the same as Tom Brady, not quite the same as Drew Brees. So I love him, man. I'm a big Winston Moss fan. I think he's a cool dude. I'd love to play for him. He's great in interviews. And the quarterback in LA is Josh Johnson. Some people think that Josh Johnson is the best quarterback in the entire XFL. He was offered a contract by the Detroit Lions a little while ago. And the XFL blocked his ability to leave. They said, no, Josh, you're not leaving our, our league. You're the guy in L.A. We want you here. You're good for our football league. It was very interesting. They blocked his ability. They wouldn't let him leave his contract. He was a, he's been a long-time NFL quarterback. He was drafted in 2008 in the fifth round. He's 33 years old. He's a veteran quarterback. He's got a great arm. He can run a little bit. And apparently in L.A., they love him. So a lot of people think that L.A. has the best quarterback in the XFL with Josh Johnson. They also play their games in the same stadium where, where the Chargers play. It's also where the MLS team, the LA Galaxy, play. It's a, little, it's a really cool, intimate setting. Uh, if you're in LA and you want to go see a cheap football, team, uh, football game, I guess the Chargers are kind of like that too, but uh, the LA Wildcats, it should be fun. They have a good quarterback. Uh, they got a good park. You'll be close to the stadium. It should be a good time. And if you want to watch the LA Wildcats, I recommend it. I think it'd be a fun, fun time to go watch some football. Now, the New York Guardians... They play at MetLife Stadium. I'll actually be there. Um, I'm going there at the end of February to watch the, the Guardians play. It should be really fun. Uh, their head coach is their head coach and general manager is Kevin Gilbride. Kevin Gilbride is the former New York Giants offensive coordinator. He came out of retirement, actually, because he really liked the opportunity to be both a head coach and a general manager. Most time as a head coach, 
You don't get to pick your players. And it's really, it's one of the more difficult sides of the NFL is finding a, a general manager and a head coach that can get to work together. Because as a head coach, you got to be on the same page as the guy picking the players. Otherwise, it's a gigantic problem. So to Kevin Gilbride, that opportunity was really, really cool. So they played MetLife Stadium where the Giants and the Jets play. Uh, I think it's the biggest stadium by far in the XFL. Now the quarterbacks in New York, their QB1, their starting quarterback, is Matt McGloin. He's one of my, I've never really talked about him very much. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks uh, of all time. If I can ever get his college film, I'd love to show everybody his college film because he played at Penn State. He walked on and then became a three-year starting quarterback at Penn State and played phenomenal. I, it's so cool. And he's also not the biggest guy. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's like 5'10 with an average arm. But he's really well prepared. He works his butt off. He's got great timing. He's scrappy. He runs around if he gets need to. He'll dive if he needs to. He's, he's a really fun quarterback to watch because he's like the little engine that could. He's not the most physically gifted. But man, does he put out a great effort. He works really hard. And uh, I, I think he's good enough. Like Some guys, he's not limited physically. Like Aaron, Aaron Murray's another quarterback in the XFL. I have no interest in Aaron Murray. But Matt McGloin has what it takes and does the work. He's a very hard-nosed, blue-collar kind of guy, my kind of quarterback. I can't wait to watch him in New York. I also do want to make a note about their backup quarterback. If, if for any reason their backup quarterback, Luis Perez, gets on the field, I think he'll be ready. Luis Perez is a really cool story. He's a former Division II quarterback. He basically won the Division II Heisman Trophy. He played for the Rams briefly a while ago. Uh, he, there was a cool story where Luis Perez used to beat Sean McVay, the Rams head coach into the facility every single day. He got to work before the head coach did every single day. He played in the AAF. He works his butt off. He played pretty well, played for the Birmingham iron. I really liked him. Um, and I hope he gets a chance. If he ever gets a chance, I'm pretty sure that Luis Perez is going to be ready when that opportunity comes knocking. Okay. Uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks. I'll be honest, I knew nothing. This was the head coach I knew the very least about. Their head coach is Jonathan Hayes. He's a head coach and general manager. Uh, I guess he played tight end in the NFL for a long time. He also was a Cincinnati Bengals tight end coach for 16 years. It's a weird jump to go from tight ends coach to NFL head, to go to XFL head coach. Kind of odd. Uh, now, here's a funny joke. The, <laughs> the St. Louis Battlehawks had better have really good tight ends because they got a head coach who was a tight end for years then a tight ends coach. If nothing else, maybe the St. Louis Battlehawks will be an awful football team that can't win games, but their tight ends better be good. <laughs> now, uh, their quarterback is former Ole Miss quarterback Jordan Ta'amu. I was shocked when I found out he won the starting job. I was like, really? Jordan Ta'amu? Are you kidding me? He was bad in college. He was bad in college. Played for Ole Miss. Had two amazing receivers. On one side, he had A.J. Brown. On the other side, he had DK Metcalf. Guess what? This year in the NFL, they were the two, some of the two biggest, youngest breakout stars in the NFL. They were two rookie, fantastic receivers. Jordan Tuamu had both of them in college and struggled, made bad decisions, couldn't get them the ball, had horrible inaccurate throws. I was shocked he won the job. I really was. But I'm also curious to see what happens. He clearly won the job. He beat out two other pretty solid quarterbacks. And so I, I have my, my eyes and ears open. Okay, Jordan Ta'amu, maybe he's gotten way better. Maybe uh, I am just misremembering how he plays. I don't know. But I am really fascinated to see. How does Jordan Ta'amu do in the XFL? It's also worth noting that, and this makes a lot of sense, 
the XFL Battlehawks, the St. Louis Battlehawks, play where the former St. Louis Rams used to play in that dome. It's called the Dome of America or something. I can't remember what it's called, but that is where the St. Louis Battlehawks play. If you're in the St. Louis region and you want to go watch a football game, should be cheap, should be fun. I think it's going to be a great time. Now, uh, the Seattle Dragons. They're about two hours north of me. I live in the Portland area. I have a buddy from high school on their team, Marcel Frazier. He's been on the show. He's a defensive end for the XFL Dragons. He's awesome. I'm going to go watch some games this year. It should be a blast. The head coach for the Seattle Dragons, the head coach and general manager, is really cool. It's Jim Zorn. And if you grew up in the Seattle area, Jim Zorn was a quarterback you watched as a kid. He's awesome. He was a longtime quarterback uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. He was briefly, in 2008 and 2009, the Washington Redskins head coach. He he failed. Uh, I don't know that it was so much about him as much as he didn't have a quarterback and he had a horrible owner. And the quarterback is Brandon Silvers. Uh, He played at Troy. A lot of people love him. He's got a huge arm. He can run. Physically really gifted. I don't know how great he is as a decision maker. That remains to be seen. But it should be fun to watch him. They play their games at CenturyLink Field. That is where the Seattle Seahawks play their football games. Now, uh, the last team, the eighth team we need to talk about in the XFL is the Tampa Bay Vipers. Uh, This is the team I feel the worst about. This is probably, uh, this team is probably the worst team potentially. It's either this team or the St. Louis Battlehawks. Their head coach is Mark Trustman. He is the former, he's a former CFL head coach. He won a championship in the CFL, actually, in the Canadian Football League, which does show, okay, he knows football, clearly. He, he won a championship. Uh, maybe he, he gets leadership. He was once the Bears head coach. He's done a lot of, had a lot of success as a coach to some degree. He's never made it. Like, he failed as a Bears head coach. But, look, he's been there. He's got more experience than I do. And maybe saying he's the, this is the worst team in the XFL is a little harsh. At, who knows, right? We'll find out. Part of why I don't believe in them is their quarterback is Aaron Murray, the former Georgia quarterback. He's just really underwhelming physically. He's not got a big arm. He can't move. He's just, like, crappy and bland. And I, I'm not that excited about Aaron Murray at all, honestly. Um, they play their, their games in the same stadium as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and I just the Tampa Bay Vipers. Like, eh, okay, let's see what they got. I don't know. They have a, a head coach who's failed a lot in the NFL. They have a quarterback who... Didn't do anything in the NFL. Has he even played? I don't know if he's played recently. Uh, he's got a weak arm. He was not that impressive in college. So we'll see. I'm judging them based on the past. That's not really fair. We'll see what the Tampa Bay Vipers are today. Maybe they got the best defensive line in the XFL, and they dominate, and I look like a gigantic idiot. Who knows? But the Tampa Bay Vipers are the one team I'm the least excited to watch in the XFL. Now, there are a few other things you should know about the XFL. Number one is that the XFL rules are different. Uh, I made a whole video about it. If you want to go watch the video, it's called, like, The XFL is Innovating the Rules of Football. I'm, I'm really proud of that video. I'll put a link to below if you want to watch it. Um, you know, they're, they're really innovating special teams. They've changed kickoffs. They've changed punts. They're safer. They're better. Uh, we're going to see more returns, too. Like, it's a really cool balance between the emphasis on blocking rather than gigantic hits with kickoffs and punts. But we're also going to see more returns, which is what I want. I want to watch kick returns. I want to watch punt returns. Um, there also are some, a cool change. There are three options now after you score a touchdown, you can either go for a one point point conversion, a two point conversion or a three point conversion from the two yard line, the five yard line or the 10 yard line. There are also no onside kicks rather than having onside kicks in the XFL. You have a fourth and 15. If you, if you're kicking off, 
you can choose to go for a 4th and 15 instead. And if you get the 4th and 15, you keep the ball and continue your drive. I love it. I'm excited, man. That is the XFL. There are eight football teams. The Seattle Dragons, the St. Louis Battlehawks, the D.C. Defenders, the New York Guardians, the Tampa Bay Vipers, the Houston Roughnecks, the Dallas Renegades, and I believe the L.A. Wildcats and the D.C. Defenders. I think that's all eight. I'm doing the best I can. I'm learning of the new league as well as you are. Um, I'm excited, man. It should be a good time. That is the XFL, XFL 101. Now, I made a list of a couple things that I'm excited to watch throughout the course of the XFL season. I'm excited to follow. These are like a couple of the storylines I'm excited to watch develop in the XFL. The number one thing I'm actually most excited to watch in the XFL has nothing to do with their players. It's kind of funny. I'm actually really excited to watch Pat McAfee. Uh, Pat McAfee has, I guess, like this all-access. He's going to be running around on the sidelines, and who knows? If you don't know who Pat McAfee is, he's actually, I guess, technically, he's a competitor of mine on YouTube. He's got another YouTube show. Uh, he's phenomenal. He's a great podcaster. I don't watch his show anymore. I'm busy, and I don't, I'm, I'm too busy making my own content, trying to survive. Um, but I love it. He did a stand-up show where he made fun of Peyton Manning. I'm like, I love it. And anytime I get to watch Pat McAfee on television, it's a grand, I love it, man. It's so much fun. I'd love, if Pat, if you're out there, I'd love to be on your show. You're pretty cool. Um, but man, I, I love every time he does stuff. He's great. And what I love about Pat McAfee, watching him, because he's going to be one of the analysts and one of the, the, the key guys, I think he's just got a sideline pass and they're like, you have all access, do whatever you want. I don't really know, but his shenanigans excite me. Like wh- one thing that I love about Pat McAfee is that he gets it that I don't care about nerdy football crap as much as I care about the stories. Pat McAfee isn't a, a former quarterback. He doesn't know the X and his X's and O's as well, but he always knows how to take what you see on the screen and tell an interesting story about it. And that's all I want. That's all I want is a fun, entertaining storyline. And Pat McAfee is the best sports analyst I've ever seen doing live sports because he kind of follows that line between stand-up comedy and professionalism where he's telling stories. And it's just perfect. It's a perfect blend. I wish everybody was more like Pat McAfee. He's my favorite person to watch on television talking about football live. And so uh, he's the most, he's like literally the number one thing I'm most excited to watch in the XFL. I've, I've talked about him far too much. My fans are going to be like, what? You can't talk that much about Pat McAfee. I don't care. He's great. I acknowledge that. He's phenomenal. Um, number two, I'm excited to watch the new XFL rules in action. Uh, they've really, I made a whole video. They innovated the XFL rules. Um, you know, kickoffs and punts are different now. They're a little bit safer. They're also, because if there's no gigantic running start where guys are going to destroy each other, there's also more of an emphasis on returns because, like, when you punt, the guys have to stay until the guy catches the ball. It's pretty cool. And the point after touchdown is different. You now have three options. You can go for one point, two point, or three points. And there are no onside kicks. They replaced that with a fourth and 15 where if you, get, if you convert the fourth and 15, you get to continue the drive. If you don't, it's the other team's ball. So basically what that means is Instead of kicking an onside kick, you get one play to try to get a first down. If you do it, you can keep the ball. I love it, man. I'm so excited. Now, the number three thing I'm most excited to watch about the XFL is that I want to see what players emerge as the best players in the league. I don't actually know who it's going to be. There are some familiar names we've talked about. Um, Honestly, that doesn't mean much. Like There are names like, ooh, Landry Jones and Josh Johnson and Cardell Jones, but it's like, how good are these guys? I I don't know. I, I, see, I see so many articles of people ranking XFL quarterbacks and these are the best receivers and the best this. And it's like, you don't actually know. It's all nonsense. Nobody has seen these guys play. A lot of them haven't played in years. And, and these lists and these, these videos and these 
all kinds of articles. They're just using their college stats and they're using their college stats and they're comparing like obscure numbers and their height and their weight and their 40 time. And it's like, this doesn't matter. You don't have any film on the guys to talk about. You're just talking about stats. And so um, no one has seen the guys play in the XFL yet. You, people say, he's the best guy. And you don't know. You have no idea. We'll know week three by the time we watched a couple games. But you don't actually know who the best players in the XFL are yet. You haven't seen them play at that level. Nobody has. Unless you've been watching practices. Maybe you've been watching practice every day of the LA Wildcats. And you're like, okay, Zach, Josh Johnson hasn't had an incomplete pass in 11 days. He's the best quarterback in the XFL. Fair enough. But unless you have that kind of access, you have no idea. Don't pretend. I'll, I will say I'm really intrigued by Cardell Jones, the quarterback in D.C. He's a former Ohio State quarterback. He's really physically gifted. Will Pep Hamilton, the head coach, help him? I have no idea. How good is Landry Jones? What team has the best defense in the XFL? Who has the best defensive line? Where are the best receivers? I have no idea. These are all questions we can't answer until we've actually watched the games happen and can enjoy watching the league. Guys, those are the three things I'm most excited for. I, I can't wait to watch Pat McAfee. I can't wait to watch the new rules in the XFL. And finally, what players will emerge as the best players in the XFL? I don't know. We'll watch week one. We'll watch week two. By week three, I'll say, hey, best quarterback is this guy. Best receiver is probably this guy. Best blah, blah, blah is this guy. It'll be fun. But let's not pretend we know until we've actually watched somebody play in the XFL. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return... We're going to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk about uh, Cassius Winston. We're going to talk about Baker Mayfield. And we're going to end the show by talking briefly about the NHL. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Um, I want to now shift gears to the NBA. This is technically our NBA check-in. So if the NBA playoffs started today... This is how things would shake out. In the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks would be the number one seed. They are dominating. They are 42-7. and seven. The Raptors would be the number two seed. They're 36-14. and 14. The Boston Celtics, the number three seed at 34-15. and 15. The Miami Heat would be the fourth seed. They're 34-15. and 15. The Pacers would be the number five seed. They're 31-19. and 19. The Philadelphia 76ers and all their fantastic, great star players, they're actually the sixth seed. They're 31-20. and 20. The Brooklyn Nets are 22-27. and 27, And the Orlando Magic are 22 and 28, they would be the number eight seed. Now in the Western Conference, this now, you know, we have the Eastern Conference is dominated by the Milwaukee Bucks. The Western Conference is dominated by Los Angeles, period. Uh, the number one seed is the LA Lakers. They're 37 and 11. The number two seed would be the LA Clippers. They're 35 and 15. Now here are the, the next two teams are really intriguing to me because they play good basketball. They're not, they have some stars, but they just play really good team basketball. The Denver Nuggets are number three. There'd be the third seed. They're 34 and 16. They're awesome. The Utah Jazz are the number four seed. They're 32 and 17. The Houston Rockets are the fifth seed. They are 31 and 18. The Dallas Mavericks would be the sixth seed. They're 31 and 19. The Oklahoma City Thunder would be the seventh seed. They're 30 and 20. And the Memphis Grizzlies sit at 25 and 25. They would be the number eight seed. It's also notable that the Blazers are right behind the Memphis Grizzlies. They're the number nine seed. They are currently. 27 and 20, no, 23 and 27, I believe. They're two games behind the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, it's been fun, man. I really have enjoyed this NBA season. I want to start with the Blazers because in the last six games, Damian Lillard has been on a tear. 
Listen to the numbers in the last six games. He scored 61 points, 47 points, 50 points, 36 points, 48 points. And then on Saturday, he scored 51 points against the Utah Jazz in a victory. And he's not just scoring a ton of points. The Blazers are winning. The Blazers have won five of their last six. Damian Lillard is not just helping the Blazers win. He's carrying the Blazers to victory. It's awesome. I really love it, man. Um, You know, he's... Listen to this. In the last six games, his three-point percentage, the lowest one he's shot, the lowest three-point percentage he shot in any of these six games was 53%. He's hit at least six three-pointers in the last six games. He's got a game with 11 of them in one game. It's crazy, and he makes it look effortless. Damian Lillard is killing it, man. It's really cool. The question is, can he get his team to the playoffs? Can he carry his team to the playoffs? The Blazers are 23-27. and They're ninth in the Western Conference, and they are so close to playoff seeding. Uh, They're two games behind the Memphis Grizzlies. It's just been fun. It's been really fun to watch Damian Lillard do his thing. Now, the Memphis Grizzlies are 25-25. and They're the number eight seed in the Western Conference. They've been dealing with some drama. (laughs) The Grizzlies um, are led by John Morant. They've got a young core, core group of players, and they have a veteran, Andre Iguodala, who never showed up to play this year. He never, he literally hasn't played a, a, a down, or what do you call it, a, a minute of basketball this year. He hasn't played at all. He got traded from the Golden State Warriors to the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, he says if they don't, if the Grizzlies don't trade him somewhere, he's not going to show up at all this year. Andre Iguodala gave the Grizzlies a list of the teams he would like to play for. And he said, if you don't trade me away, I'm not showing up at all this year. Very interesting. Uh, the trade deadline, the NBA trade deadline is on Thursday. Andre Iguodala is 36 years old. He doesn't seem like he cares. He's like, look, give me what I want or else I'm not going to show up. I'm 36. I've won a championship. I want to be. I think the reason why he's doing all of this is because Andre Iguodala wants to be on a team that is a contender. He wants to play for a team that has an opportunity to win a championship. My guess is that list is like the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Milwaukee Bucks, maybe the Miami Heat or something like that. Who knows? Um, I, I, I think he wants to play for a team that w- can win a championship. And so I'm really curious to see what happens. We'll see. We'll know by Thursday. Is Andre Iguodala going to get traded? Is this whole thing going to get resolved? Or are the Memphis Grizzlies just going to say, nah, you know what? Screw you. We're not going to get rid of you. I think it's in the best interest of the Grizzlies to trade him away. He doesn't offer you any value sitting doing nothing. Trade him away. Get something for him. You're not going to get much because, you know, everybody has leverage over you. Everybody knows the Grizzlies have no leverage here. But from the Grizzlies, I trade away Andre, Andre Iguodala for something to try to get something from a player and for something from a team that is a contender and get, just give Andre Iguodala what he wants. I want to see Andre Iguodala win another championship. That'd be kind of cool. I'd love to see Andre Iguodala at the Lakers and maybe, maybe win a, an NBA. That'd be awesome. I don't know. It's crazy to think ahead, by the way. Like, think about this. As we look ahead to the NBA playoffs, I'm... So, so excited. I know that I don't talk a lot about the NBA. I, I, football is my favorite sport. I lean into it a lot. I, I, I know the quarterback position really, really well. But it's so cool to look ahead to. I, just as a fan, man, the NBA playoffs are going to be phenomenal. We potentially are going to get a Western Conference Finals with the LA Clippers and the LA Lakers head-to-head against each other. That'd be awesome. It's going to be so much fun. Uh, the Clippers against the Lakers, and then the winner goes on to play against the Milwaukee Bucks. Are you kidding me? The, the 
Western Conference Finals are going to be incredible if we get that. If we get Lakers, Clippers. And then if we get, I mean, think about it. The Bucks and either one of those teams going to be awesome. A seven-game series between Milwaukee and L.A., it would be so much fun. It'd be amazing. Uh, that's what I want to watch. By the way, I got a fun thought. I was thinking about this the other day. My friends and I were talking about it. We're like, why, why do NBA head coaches wear a suit and tie? Why? I, I don't get it. it. It looks so uncomfortable. I get it that it's cultural. It's cultural that basketball coaches are well-dressed, have the suit. They got the tie. They wear their stupid dress shoes. Like, is that com- It can't be comfortable to sweat and run around and yell in a suit and a tie, like I just don't. No way. I, I look. I I dress casual. It's I I wear a collar shirt technically. But if I was an NBA head coach, I would want to wear like I don't want to dress like a golfer, like a polo, like a golf polo, those stretchier pants that you can like you know lift your knees up in. That'd be fun. Some tennis shoes, like because I want to be comfortable. And if I'm gonna yell, like I don't know. I just have never understood. I get it. It's cultural, but why why the suit and the tie? Like a- NFL head coaches, NFL coaches. Period. They dress like slobs. They don't care. They wear a sweatshirt. They're comfortable. I get it. It's cold outside. It's a little bit different. Um, but I don't know. I, I just have always wondered that. Like, why can't why can't an NBA head coach wear like a polo rather than a suit and a tie? Like, I get it. Look sharp. Look professional for sure. Maybe be a little more comfortable than I don't know. Maybe that's just because I don't like suit and ties. I, they're fine. Like, you feel cool. You feel really handsome. You're like, mm, great. But I I don't know. Never got it. I also want to uh, talk about the NBA All-Star Game. The NBA All-Star Game is coming up. It's on February 16th. And um, they made a couple cool tweaks to the NBA All-Star Game. It's going to be really, really exciting to watch. Uh, I don't know if exciting is the right word. They made a change in order to honor Kobe Bryant. Now, some of the tweaks I'm not going to mention because I think they would just confuse you. But here's the gist of it. What's going to happen is you play the first three quarters of the NBA All-Star Game. And the fourth quarter is different. The fourth quarter is designed to honor Kobe. So you take the score of the winning team. Let's say that the winning team has 100 points. You add 24 to whatever that number is, because Kobe wore number 24. And then the now target score to get to is 124. And the first team that scores 124 points wins the game. Whatever the leading score is, you add 24 points to their score. That becomes the target spot. So instead of, there's no running clock in the fourth quarter of the NBA All-Star Game, it'll be just whatever team gets to that target number first. That's pretty cool. The two captains are Giannis and LeBron, the Greek freak and LeBron James. Uh, They get to pick their teams. And the winning team of the NBA All-Star Game gets to donate to a Chicago-based, and they get $200,000 to donate to a Chicago-based community organization. Uh, Part of that's because the NBA All-Star Game this year is in Chicago. Should be fun. It's on Sunday, February 16th. I I guess that's going to be a busy day because there's going to be two XFL games, and the NBA All-Star Game to watch. Monday, February 17th is going to be a really fun day. A lot of sports to talk about. Going to be great, man. I, I am so excited to lean into NBA season. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun. Um, we got so many good sports coming up. It's going to be awesome. Now, Devin Booker, since we're talking about the All-Star Game, Devin Booker, a guard for the Phoenix Suns, did not make the NBA All-Star Game, and some people are calling it the biggest NBA All-Star Game snub of all time. I think part of it is because the Suns are 20 and 30. The Suns are awful. They're among the the bottom of the NBA Western Conference. But Devin Booker's numbers are unreal. Devin Booker's averaging 26.8 points per game, six assists per game. He's shooting over 53% with, uh, with a field goal percentage. And the team around him is terrible. 
And it seems like Devin Booker's being punished for the bad talent around him. You know, I really loved it. He, he's been, he was talking about this in an, in an interview. He was asked, hey, man, how do you feel about being left out of the All-Star game? Your numbers are great, and you're not getting recognized for your talent. And he said, you know what? I'm just going to get more rest. And it's kind of funny. Like, you think about it, it makes sense. A lot of guys at the All-Star game are going to be running around using their knees. Just You don't get a break for your knees as much if you go to the NBA All-Star game. Devin Booker, I hope he's going to sit by a pool, maybe in Phoenix, maybe go down to Mexico. I don't know. But I want, I want to see Devin Booker, like, All-Star weekend, just chilling with a Mai Tai, relaxing, taking some time off. I think it's pretty cool. Um, he deserves the break. He deserves to be an All-Star, really. Uh, sadly, he will not be. But, I don't know, interesting thought. Now, Kyrie Irving has returned from his injury. He's been back for now 20 games. I wanted to wait a little while to really talk about him because I wanted to see, like, how good is he going to be when he comes back? Right now, he's averaging 27 points per game. Uh, he had 54 points on Friday against the Bulls. He's, he's really, like, Kyrie Irving came back and has found his stride. Now, Saturday against Wizards, though, he had a big problem. He landed awkwardly, and Kyrie Irving hurt his knee. So Kyrie's been hurt again. Now, uh, reports have come out. It's probably not the worst injury. It sounds more like it scared Kyrie than it actually hurt him badly. Um, now, I, he, so what came out is he has a sprained ligament in his knee, which is like, ooh, that's not good. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I, I, I apologize for not doing the research to know. All, what I know about this is this. We will not see Kyrie Irving play basketball until after the NBA All-Star break. Uh, there are four games left for the Nets until the All-Star break, and so he's going to take some time off. He's going to recover. It's just interesting, man. Kyrie hurt all year, back for 20 games, gets hurt again. It's like, ooh, not a good look. But again, he's healthy, and I think it's there's no—he's clearly— in good shape, can play good basketball. I, I would let Kyrie rest even longer than he needs because all you want is Kyrie Irving to be healthy. Stay in the playoff hunt. You're like right around the bottom of the Eastern Conference as far as you're like this. I think they're the sixth seed right now in the in the Western Conference or the Eastern Conference, excuse me. And they got to just hang around. They'll get to the playoffs. Then Kyrie Irving can step up, do his thing. Um, but I think Kyrie Irving's health is the bigger concern than playoff success because next year you get Kevin Durant back and Kyrie Irving. So for now... No hurry. I, I really wouldn't put stress on Kyrie Irving's injury. Let him take his time. You don't need him this year. This year's kind of a wash anyway, because really just getting ready for next year when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the same basketball team. Now, Victor Oladipo. Uh, Victor Oladipo has been out for a long, long, long time. He plays with Indiana Pacers, and uh, he came back from an injury. He's been back for three games, and he's been shooting really badly. He hasn't done much. He's averaging eight points per game. These are the numbers, uh, his shooting numbers in the three games he's been back. In game one, he was two for eight shooting. In game two, he was two for 14. And in game three, he was four for 17. So it looks bad, right? Victor Oladipo's really struggling to shoot the basketball since coming back from his injury. And you go, ooh, man, I don't know. That's not good. But he's coming back from an injury. There's no rush. It's not a problem. I really think it's fine you got to give Victor Oladipo time to find a rhythm as a basketball player. Allow him to come back. Allow him to sit. It's okay. Take a breather. He hasn't played in age. I think it's like a year and a half he hasn't played basketball. It's like something ridiculously long, long amount of time. It's fine. Be patient. Allow Victor Oladipo time to get healthy. I mean, might, maybe it's just a year, but it's, it's forever ago. He hasn't played in like a year. So give Victor Oladipo time to find his footing and get back to what he was before. Be patient. If you're a Pacers fan, yeah, it's concerning. He's shooting awful, but I wouldn't be too concerned. 
He's coming back from an injury. Just be patient. I want to end this NBA segment with this. I want to talk about Carmelo Anthony. Uh, like I think it was two years ago. Maybe it was two years ago I made a video calling Carmelo Anthony cancer. Well, I want to give Carmelo Anthony credit here. Uh, this year he's been with the Blazers, and he's been overwhelmingly positive for the Portland Trailblazers. He's been great. He's averaging 15 points per game. But the cooler thing is this. Carmelo Anthony is saying all the right things in interviews. He's been, he seems like a good guy. Like He's really great. And he's allowing other people, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, other people to have the limelight and be the star of their basketball team. And it's cool to see. It's a bit of redemption for Carmelo Anthony. Right now, uh, the Blazers are actually only two games back uh, out of the playoffs. They're 23 and 27. The Grizzlies are 25 and 25. If they can catch the Grizzlies, they'd be the number eight seed in the NBA. And Carmelo Anthony is a big part of that. And that's pretty cool to me that Carmelo Anthony is on the Blazers, making an impact, not being a distraction, not being hard to work with. It's a good positive note for Carmelo Anthony. And if this is his last year of playing basketball, I don't know if it is or is not. But if it is, what a great way to end his career, being on a basketball team, being a positive example, being a positive piece, and uh, ending gracefully, which he is doing. He's playing. It's very graceful what he's doing right now with the Portland Trailblazers. I want to give an apology to Carmelo Anthony. Uh, He is not, you know, I'm not going to say that. I think he was cancer at one point in his career. I think at one point Carmelo Anthony was a problem and not good for basketball. It wasn't good for the Knicks years ago, but... Carmelo Anthony appears to have grown, matured, and uh, taken a different role than he has in the past. And to me, that's a pretty cool story about personal growth. And I'm all about personal growth. Okay, um, oh, heavier topic now. Um, today's February 4th, which means that March Madness and the NCAA tournament is very quickly on the horizon. It's coming very soon. And I think this year I'm going to be rooting for Michigan State basketball. Look, I, I'm not a fan. I don't have a favorite team. But I'm going to pick one this year, and it's all because of Cassius Winston. Um, in November, his younger brother, Zachary, that's my name is Zachary. It's a great name. Uh, in November, Cassius Winston's younger brother, Zachary, died. He jumped in front of a train and took his life. And ever since then, Cassius Winston has been doing a really cool thing where he, uh, this is hard for me, I, <laughs> I'm trying. Uh, it's been real, I watched a video the other day of Cassius Winston doing a pregame handshake before the game. And he does it with nobody. It's just him. Nobody else is there. He does it into the air. And what's cool about that is this is the handshake that Cassius Winston did with his brother that they came up with in high school. And so Cassius Winston's brother died, took his own life. Uh, His younger brother died. And Cassius Winston has responded. He's playing good basketball. He's leading his team. He's been a humble leader. And I I just, that story to me speaks to my heart. A couple months ago, lost his brother to be playing and headed to the, I I just, man, that's awesome. And so I just, I don't know. You know, February 8, 2016 was a day that uh, my life changed a lot when my younger brother took his life. And so Cassius Winston out there, man, I, his story resonates with me, makes me want to cry. And um, I, I just think it's cool. I'm rooting for a guy, a guy who lost his brother to suicide. You're darn right I'm rooting for that. You're darn right I'm rooting for that guy to succeed. Cassius Winston um, has been through a lot. I, I know that journey. It's a very difficult journey to lose your brother to suicide. And so I'm, 
I find myself, uh, that tough story resonates with me. I, I find myself rooting for Cassius Winston and the Michigan State basketball team headed into March Madness. I hope they succeed. I hope they're awesome. And um, uh, that story just moves me a little. I was crying about it last night. It was hard to, I wrote it down in my notes. Like, this is hard to write. You know, to, to say he does a handshake with nobody. That's where I lost it. I just was balling last night. And that story really resonates with me, and that's why I'm going to be rooting for Michigan State in the NCAA tournament. May, I don't even know if they're going to make it in. I have no idea. I, I literally haven't even checked the standings. I could be talking about Michigan State basketball, and they're like the bottom of the Big Ten. I don't think they are. They're regularly in the tournament, but I just assume they're going, and if they are going, I'm in. I'm rooting for them. That's my team, and uh, that's my team this year because I, I, that story just made me cry last night, and I was like, that's pretty, pretty cool. Now, uh, the Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield has come out and said he is done responding to his critics. Yes, finally, I think that's great. Uh, I did, you know, Baker Mayfield did a ton of interviews during the Super Bowl week. Uh, he sounded mature. He said all the right stuff. And I think it's really important to say two things. Number one is that I do not believe Baker Mayfield was the sole reason the Cleveland Browns imploded last year. I think the majority of the fault in Cleveland belongs to the head coach, the former head coach, Freddie Kitchens. He was a mess. He should never have been the head coach in Cleveland. And Baker was in a bad situation. As a quarterback, if you're in a bad situation, it's really hard to succeed. I don't think it's all on Baker. But Baker's mouth made him famous. This is the number two point, is that Baker Mayfield has been a guy, an antagonistic figure who responds to critics responds to haters, he'll talk back, he'll fight you back, and love him or hate him, because of Baker Mayfield's mouth, you know who Baker Mayfield is. You do. Responding to critics has helped Baker Mayfield become a star in the NFL, for better or worse. But now, I agree, I really like, it is time for Baker Mayfield to shut up. (laughs) Stop talking. You're famous now. Everyone knows who you are. You don't need to talk anymore. Baker Mayfield needs to do the talking with his play. And even if he's successful, I hope we don't see a spiteful, vengeful Baker Mayfield that goes, yeah, haters, I told you. No, no, no. If Baker Mayfield is phenomenal next year and makes a Pro Bowl, I hope he's just very steadfast and I always knew we, we could do it. I always knew we in Cleveland could do it. Don't make it about you. Make it about your team. Be humble, be mature. That's what I want to see from Baker Mayfield. And if you want to talk to people, if you want to prove people wrong, throw a lot of touchdown passes, win a lot of games, play great, do well. Allow your play on the field to do the talking. When I heard that Baker Mayfield said he's finally done responding to critics, I said, yes, finally, we might see Baker Mayfield grow as a human being, not just as a quarterback. And I think... You need to grow as a person before you can grow as a quarterback. It's important. You got to get your personal crap figured out so that you can get your football crap figured out. And so when I heard that, it was awesome. I made a video about that a long time ago. It was the number one thing I've been looking forward to this offseason in Cleveland is can Baker Mayfield grow as a human being and mature a little bit? It sounds like he is. Maybe he's lying to everybody and that's not really true. We'll find out when he does, if he, if and when he ever does succeed, then we'll see how he responds to that. Does he make it about himself? Or does he make it about his team and his city of Cleveland? But I am so excited to continue to watch Baker Mayfield grow as a quarterback, 
and as a human being. Okay, uh, I want to shift gears to the NHL. I learned a lot about the NHL recently, but I do want to start by telling you and explaining to you the, the, the standings in the NHL and tell you who is currently would make the playoffs. So if the NHL playoffs started today, in the Eastern Conference, the Atlantic Division, the Boston Bruins would be the number one seed. They are 31-10. and 10. They have 74 points. Number two would be the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're 32 and 15. They have 69 points. Great number. Number three, you have the Florida Panthers. They're 29 and 17. They have 63 points. In the Metro, you have the Washington Capitals. They are 35 and 13 with 75 points. Number two, you have the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are 33 and 14 with 71 points. Number three, you have the Columbus Blue Jackets out of Ohio. They're 28 and 16 with 65 points. And in the wild card, you would have the Philadelphia Flyers. They're 29 and 17 with 65 points. And the New York Islanders. Islanders, that's awesome. They're 29 point, they're 29 and 15 with 64 points. So those would be the eight teams in the Eastern Conference playoffs. In the Western Conference playoffs, uh, you would have from the Central Division, the St. Louis Blues, they're 31 and 14 with 70 points. Number two, the Dallas Stars, they're 30 and 18 with 64 points. Number three, the Colorado Avalanche, they're 28 and 16 with 62 points. In the Pacific, you would have the Vancouver Canucks, they're 30 and 18 with 65 points. Edmonton Oilers. They're 28 and 18 with 62 points. And the Vegas Golden Knights, they're 27 and 20 with 61 points. And in the wild card, you would have the Calgary Flames, who are 27 and 20 with 64 with 60 points, 6-0. And the Arizona Coyotes, who are 26 and 21 with 59 points. So I got some stuff I need to clarify. I am still learning how the NHL works. I'll be very honest and transparent. I'm very new to hockey. I'm learning. Like, that's not true. I know hockey. I know how power plays work. I love watching live hockey. I am still new, though, to understanding how the NHL works as a league. And I I got something very wrong (laughs) last time I covered the NHL. I acknowledge it. I admit it. Uh, What I was wrong about was the way that points work. I thought it was goals scored. It's not true at all. Here's how points work in the NHL. Points matter because points are what determines the two wildcard teams. Out of all the remaining teams left that haven't made it into the, the first uh, six seeds of the playoffs, the final two remaining wild card spots in the NHL playoffs are determined by points. How do you get points? If you win a game, you get two points. If you win a game in regulation, bam, two points. If you lose a game in regulation, you get zero points. But you can also get one point. After NHL regulation ends, if you're still tied, you go to overtime. And then after five minutes of overtime, then you go into a shootout. And if you lose the shootout or you lose in overtime, it's called an overtime loss where you get one point. If you lose a game in overtime, you get one point. A win, the winner gets two points. The loser in regulation gets zero points, but the loser in overtime gets one point. I really like this because here's why the NHL did this. You want to give a team one point because you played a full game. You played overtime. You're doing great, and the score was still tied. You deserve to get something, and I agree with that. So instead of giving teams a tie, we go into shootouts. And shootouts aren't really quite real hockey. And so giving a team a, a one point for an overtime loss is a really cool compromise. It's, it's respectable. It's like, hey, you played a full hockey game. You deserve to get credit for finishing the game, a hard-fought victory. You shouldn't just get a loss. That stinks. We'll give you one point for an overtime loss because you fought really hard. Someone had to win, but we, we respect what you did. I think, I think one point for a team that loses in overtime is pretty cool. You lose in regulation, you get zero points. You win a game, you get two points. That is how the NHL points system works. Now, the other thing I want to talk about in the, in the NHL, 
I hope I've been saying NHL. The hockey. We're talking about hockey, okay? Thank you. Okay, we're doing. I watched the NHL All-Star game. It was interesting. A very uh, enlightening experience. By the way, I want to say it was kind of sad. Um, it kind of. This is a, an example of how few people care about hockey, which is kind of sad. Um, and, and I'm doing my best. I'm covering it. I, I enjoy hockey. I had a good time. I watched the NHL All-Star game. And I watched the NHL All-Star game on YouTube. The entire thing was posted on YouTube. The entire two-hour video posted on YouTube. Uh, by like an officially posted too, like it was a legit thing. They put it there, and it had three hundred thousand views, which is like solid. I mean, like for my, one of my videos, that'd be awesome. I'd love to have three hundred thousand views for a league. That's not great because in comparison, <laughs> the NFL skills challenge, which is like quarterbacks running around in tights throwing the ball, like doing like 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 they're doing like uh, obstacle course in the skills challenge. That video from the NFL has four million views. The Pro Bowl skill challenge with quarterbacks running through obstacles has 4 million views. Meanwhile, the actual NHL All-Star game has 300,000. That's kind of sad. A little bit little bit sad. Um, now, I learned the, the way that the NHL All-Star game works is very interesting. Uh, I thought it would be one game. I was expecting one game East versus West. That is not what happened. I actually ended up watching three games, and I got to watch four different All-Star teams. The way they do it is they have a Metro team, a Pacific team, an Atlantic team, and a Central team. And they play what they call three-on-three. It's not really three-on-three. You play, there are three guys and a goalie on each team. Uh, Very light defense is played. Nobody really wants to get hurt. No one's playing a lot of pressure on defense or trying to stop anybody. And so what you end up getting to see is a lot of really cool goals. You get to see a lot of cool scoring, a lot of really cool uh, puck maneuverability. It's fun, man. A lot lot of puck handling is the word I was looking for. Thank you. Um, it's, it's really fun. So I don't know. I enjoyed it though. I will say, uh, the game, here's what happened in the NHL all-star game, game one, the Atlantic beat the Metro nine to five game two, the Pacific beat the central division team 10 to five. Uh, and you take those two games and the winners of those two games play in the final. And in the final, the central, the Pacific division beat the Atlantic division, the Pacific beat the Atlantic five to four. And what they got was uh, the winner, the winning team of the final gets a million dollars for the whole team. Then you got to break it up between each other. It's like it's like one hundred fifty thousand and two hundred thousand dollars each, and just an interesting experience all around to watch the NHL All Star Game. Very, uh, I don't know. It was it was fun. I will I will say it was a good time. John Hamm was there. He's kind of balding a little bit. Pam from the office was there. Um, they were like honorary captains, and um, I don't know. It just was cool. It was a good time. Uh, it, what I think the NHL All-Star Game is, any, like, All-Star Games kind of suck, like, just be honest. I, I think All-Star Games would be better off not existing. I'd love to have just, like, a, a conference where, here's why All-Star Games are cool, for the players. If you're a player and you have a five-year-old daughter, you get to go to St. Louis at the All-Star Game, you get to bring your kids, it's a vacation for them, you get to hang out with your family, and they get to watch their dad run around and, you know, hit stuff. Um, I don't know, man, hockey... Hockey's fan base is so small, it's kind of sad. Because I think it's a cool sport that I wish more people understood. Um, I certainly enjoy it. I don't know anything about the NHL itself. I know hockey better than I know the NHL, the league itself, because I've never followed the NHL before. I'm doing my best. I'm going to cover it about every two weeks. I'll make a video about it. That's the best I can do. i got a lot of stuff i got to do. I'll watch a lot of film. But hey, making a hockey video every two weeks. If nobody watches it, no harm, no foul. And uh, for me, it's fun because I get to learn a little bit about the league and have a good time with it. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm, uh, that's all I have. I do want to end the show this way, though. It's very important. I talked about Cassius Winston and uh, the pain of losing a brother. 
we're very close. This weekend we'll have February 8th again. February 8th, 2016, um, four years ago, my brother took his life, and it was heartbreaking. It's uh, the worst thing I've ever been through. And I learned two really painful lessons from that experience. Number one is that uh, my brother never shared his struggles. My brother never talked to anybody. My brother never told anybody he was having a hard time. Uh, one day I just came home, and he was dead on the floor. And that's painful and awful. And so I encourage you, if you're struggling, please go get help. Go talk to somebody. I'm encouraged because it's one of the media standards. Uh, if you talk about suicide, you're supposed to talk about the suicide hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. The suicide hotline is one 800 273-8255. Look, if you need to call a phone number, do it. If you can talk to somebody in your life, I recommend that. Talk to somebody you know. Talk to a guidance counselor at school. Talk to a teacher. Talk to your friend's parents. Talk to your parents. Talk to your friend. Go get help. And if one of your friends reaches out to you and says they're suicidal, don't just take that as a secret. go, Go make sure they get help too. Get professional help in that situation. It's above you. Go get professional help if you're struggling with suicide. Um, you just don't want, I, I don't want people to leave the world. My brother left. I'll never talk to my brother ever again. If you're out there, I don't want you to do that. I want you to be here. I want you to be around. I want you to watch Star, like Star Wars with me. I want you to experience the Super Bowl next year. I want you to do cool stuff. Watch Survivor. It's a great show. Go watch Star Trek Discovery. It's fantastic. There's so many cool things the world has to offer, and I don't want you to miss out on that at all. And so if you're struggling, please, please go get help. Now, number two, the, the, the other painful lesson I learned from my brother's death is that I didn't do a good enough job reaching out to him and telling him how much he was loved, how much I cared about him, that I was there for him. I didn't do a good enough job making it clear to him that he, if he was having a hard time, he could reach out to me, he could talk to me. I was there for him. I saw him every single day. We talked about video games, movies, sports, and girls. We never really had a conversation with a lot more depth. And so I encourage you, don't be afraid to have a conversation with more depth Ask your friends how they are. Tell them you love them. Give them a hug. Make sure the people in your life know how much you care about them. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I, Man, I appreciate you guys. I love the show. I love the job I do. Uh, I'm so grateful for all your support. And uh, thank you so much. Have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.